Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud, marca el Arsenal, marca Olivier Giroud, gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunner Blog. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try and not laugh, but I, I can't not laugh. I've been laughing so much. So, so much. <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever seen, honestly. The funniest thing oh. Oh, in all my time. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite as hysterical happen. It, it, I mean, it's just brilliant. It was a it was a goodly afternoon in Premier League football. Before we get into it, I just want to do something maybe a little bit special. Mm. Because of what happened, I, I, I'm not much of a... Not much of a musician, bit of a one-fingered pianist. Sure. Got to say that very carefully. But I just want to maybe play a little song just to kick off this podcast and see um, see where we end up. All right, here we go. All Hang right, on. All right, here we go. Beautiful. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it must have taken you hours and hours of practice. Oh, I've been sitting here like like Richard Claderman for the last four hours, trying to get it all together. <laughs> and I hope you're all singing along at home. Oh, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. <sighs> Where to start? Where to start? Well, to begin at the end, what an incredibly strange end to the season that was. It really was. I know that we spoke about it a couple of times on the podcast, and we were sort of, eh, I'm not sure. I mean, it would be hilarious if it happened, but no, I can't see it happening. I just, no, there's no way. I mean, Tottenham, what did they need? Something like four points from the last five games or five points from the last four games. Would that be right? Something like that. Something right. crazy. I mean, from their 4-0 win at Stoke on the 18th of April, which was heralded as one of the great away performances in Premier League history. You know, <laughs> that was kind of, that was Harry Kane's Instagram of the Lions, you know, hunting down Leicester City. From that point on, they had four games remaining. They didn't win a single one. They drew at home to West Brom, dropped a two-goal lead at Chelsea, lost 2-1 at home Southampton, and then gloriously, gloriously 5-1. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> to Newcastle. I mean, I mean, I don't think either of us had that in our predictions, did we? No. I think uh, <laughs> well, I couldn't care less, to be honest. No, no, um, no. A spectacular, spectacular implosion. It really was. I mean... <sighs> Why did we ever doubt them? I don't know. What's wrong with us? I don't know. I, I thought mean, they would... I, I fell for the hype. I believe that this Tottenham team were different, but... Spurs DNA, you can't escape it, can you? No, you just can't. I mean, we should have all known better. 
So a beautiful comment on Arsblog News. Uh, somebody this morning who said, oh, good old St. Totteringham. Sometimes he's a bit tardy, but he always comes. <laughs> he always comes. He always delivers. I mean, I really didn't think that, we, that it would happen this year. I thought we'd been naughty boys and we wouldn't get St. Totteringham visiting us, but... But he arrived. He arrived in such... Hang on. <coughs> oh, uh, sneezing. Oh, Wow. Yeah. We're leaving this in, by the way. Oh, OK, great. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, I, uh, I I can't really believe it. And also, it's the manner of it, isn't it? It's the emphatic nature that their defeat... You know, Pochettino coming out after the game and saying it's the worst day in his management career. I mean, you just couldn't really ask for more. No, I like the way he apologised to everyone. Like, not just the fans. To our families. To our our families. For the shame we've brought on them. What's that about? Arsblog Tom was saying this morning that there were some rumours going around that the Spurs boys had been out on the the piss before the game. I mean, about an hour before, judging by their performances. (laughs) Oh, really well, it's good. Well, look, let's go through it all because I do have a few little clips and stuff to play that we can enjoy. Okay, cool. Uh, As we we work our, our way through the... The afternoon, the final afternoon of the Premier League season. Well, actually not, because of weird stuff that went on at Old Trafford. I mean, that gets weirder and weirder, doesn't it, by, yeah. the, by the minute? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, everyone seems very... Uh, I guess everyone's a bit frustrated at this point because it appears there was a mishap, basically. Someone left around a testing device. Well, but... you know what? I think in those circumstances, you're far better safe than sorry. And if yeah, it's a bit exactly. inconvenient and people have lost money, it is. It's it's terrible for them. And you see fans that have come from all over the world, um, you know, to to see the game and to enjoy an experience in the Premier League at, uh, at Old Trafford, uh, the club they support, whatever it might be. Um, but that's you know far preferable to anything much worse than that happening. So uh, I think yeah, you've and got I to thought, go with caution. And had it, you know, I'm not a security expert by any means, but had it been a a serious event. I thought the way they handled it was pretty well in terms mm. of getting people out pretty quickly. And and to be honest, as annoying as it is that it was a, a mistake, that it was you know some device, some object left behind. Mm. I, I'm looking upon that as good news, to be honest. That yeah. there's nothing more serious than that. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, look, uh, the rest of the games took place. Newcastle relegated in midweek are playing Tottenham at home and we're playing Aston Villa also relegated at home and we got a very good start to the game very good start Olivier Giroud scores a goal in five minutes yeah brilliant uh, and uh, what I thought about this goal was really well worked really good cross actually from Nacho Monreal mm. Alexis with a little back heel cross swung in and a good header I think I saw a stat that since Giroud came, has come to the Premier League I think no player scored more headed goals than him wow well, there you go. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So um, we're there enjoying that. And I thought once we'd scored early, I thought we were going to really kick on and re- take control of the game. But we didn't. There was a couple of hairy moments, uh, some iffy defending. And um, yeah, I there thought... Were. There were a couple of last sort of last gasp interventions, weren't there? Was one from Cassiani, one from Monreal as well. Yeah, that's right. And had, had Aston Villa not been Aston Villa, we may have been punished there. Yeah, if they'd been some other kind of Villa... Yes, exactly. Just an inanimate house. Yeah, they probably um, would have taken advantage. Exactly. But they're Aston Villa and they are rubbish. Okay, so the first half continued, continued, continued. And then there were some cheers because this happened. Shot of Edelt, only as far as Sissoko. Back in. This is Vinaldon. Newcastle have got it. 
Jorginho Wijnaldum pounces. And the crowd have been rewarded. Yes. All crowds have been rewarded. All the crowds. crowds across the land, delighting. Indeed, uh, across, the, misery. across the universe, crowds were just yeah. happy. <laughs> crowds were flooding into the streets, yeah. dancing. <laughs> all dressed as Rafa Benitez. Yeah, laughing, laughing their little goatee heads off. Um, no, it was great. It was proper old school stuff. You know, like, you remember back in the day when people used to have the radios on, you know. And yeah. I, I guess people, I guess that's not what happens anymore. I guess it's tweets now, isn't it? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. WhatsApp arriving, but uh, it was brilliant seeing those cheers sort of go round, go round and round the ground like yeah. that. Yeah, and then there was a sense, of course, that oh, well, maybe it's a bit early, bit early in the game. Could have you know scored a bit later. Are they going to be able to hang on? Are they going to be able to hang on? I don't know if they're going to be able to hang on. And then, well, then then this happened. This is Mitrovic. Oh, it's a wonderful goal. Newcastle 2, Spurs nil, and his second place slipping out of sight for Tottenham Hotspur. Ooh. Wasn't it just? Wasn't it? Wasn't it, it just? It was, for uh, portentous words. Uh, second place was slipping out of sight, but, of course, they got a goal back early in the second half, and then Newcastle went down to 10 men. What a fucking horrible tackle, or I won't call it a tackle, because a tackle is an attempt to win the ball. Uh, an assault, essentially, uh, on Kyle Walker from Mitrovic. Uh, I mean, I think it's partly my fault because I tweeted after Mitrovic's goal saying that I thought he was far too good a player to, to go down to the championship. He took revenge on me then with the fifth sending off of his career at 20, 21 or something like that. Right. And it was an absolutely horrific challenge. I agree with you. It really was. Uh, so I mega jinxed him there. Apologies. I brought out the demon in him. Uh, and it was awful. And at that point, 2-1, 10 men. And also, bear in mind, over at the Emirates Stadium, Arsenal at this point looking pretty nervy, actually. Yeah. Uh, it felt like the dream was dying. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting Newcastle uh, to hang on. Uh, I was really, really anxious from our point of view because it felt like one of those games where maybe... You know, it was going to go one way or the other. We were going to get a second goal or Villa would, like, fluke one in somehow and it would all go, oh, my God, and Newcastle are winning and we're drawing with Aston Villa and we'd, you know, all hands on pump and then somehow we'd concede a goal. You know, just the worst-case scenario was playing out in my head um, throughout that second half. Uh, but then, but then, this happened. Well, I'm not so sure there was contact there, you know. The leg came out, but did he touch him here? No, he didn't. That's not a penalty. <laughs> Never. He's gone down. So, can Newcastle restore their two-goal cushion and seriously dent Spurs' hopes of finishing second again? It's Wijnaldum. It's three. What a lovely Newcastle cushion. Newcastle are going out with a bang. Yeah. And Spurs are in real danger of dropping from their lofty position. Yes. <laughs> The danger. The danger is mounting. In real danger. Okay, so then... Brilliant dive, by the way. Exceptional dive. It really was. One I of mean, the dives no, of the season. Nowhere near a penalty. No, I mean, the, the guy waved a leg at him and he just tumbled. I mean, he made it look good, in fairness. 
Yeah. Sometimes yeah. a dive is really divey and really obvious that they leap in the air. But this one looked like he sort of got, his legs got caught and he stumbled forward. I mean, it was top, top class diving. Oh, he could make our Hollywood 11 from last week. Yeah. <laughs> so 3-1 then. And you're st- there's still just that little bit of nervousness, isn't there? You're going, mm, OK, well, that looks good from a Newcastle Tottenham point of view, even though the two goals may have not beyond them to, to get a couple of goals back against 10 men. But we're still only 1-0 up. We're only 1-0 what if, what if, and then Olivier Giroud scored his second and there was just this sense of relief, wasn't there? I mean, good goal, and it's good to celebrate a good goal, but just the relief, because we knew there was no way Villa were going to get two. No, surely not, not even with this Arsenal team. And I thought it was a brilliant goal, actually. Yeah. Really well worked. Alexis and Ozil involved in the build-up. Ozil's final assist of the season, I assume, is 19th and a fizz ball across, and Giroud... How many times have you seen that run to the near post, great finish, and then suddenly it was like the, the clouds broke above the Emirates and everyone could sense that it was actually on the cards now, it was going to happen. There were no clouds. True. It was a beautiful day. It was like the sun just went up to 11. Okay, let's go with that. Yeah, so that was good. And then like a couple of minutes later, Giroud scores uh, his hat-trick goal. Um Brilliant that, pass that, from Hector Bellerin. Yeah, it really was. Uh, 3-0, uh, and everything's rosy in the Arsenal garden, and you're thinking, OK, well, now we're going to be able to uh, have some moments here. We're going to get Mikel Arteta on. We're going to get, uh, maybe, you know, uh, just say goodbye to him. But then but then this happened. Oh, what an effort. Townsend, who was almost subbed a moment ago, he's hit the woodwork, and now he might have another go. Oh, they've got it. Aaron's has got it. Spurs are being completely destroyed by Newcastle. Really could have been even more embarrassing for Spurs. Oh, wow. So that's 4-1. Completely destroyed. Absolutely. That may have been my favourite of the Newcastle goals, actually, because... Alderweireld, who's been great all season, just defends so appallingly on it. I don't know if you remember, but on the back post, he just sort of, he's given up. He's broke. He's a broken man. Yeah. Um, so I really like that one. Although the next one was pretty fun. The next one well. was good. I mean, we were we were enjoying that when we were celebrating that 4-1 and everyone's going, oh my God, it's 4-1. And then within minutes... It's not over yet. There might be more. They're attacking. It's three on two here. Yamat's going down the right-hand side. Daryl Yamat! Newcastle have got five. Tottenham Hotspur, how are they second in the league? They might not be now. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Did you see where Loris was standing for that goal? Yeah. What was yeah. he doing? He was just I standing at the near post and just like, how? I mean, even even if you're not a goalkeeper and even if the game has gone away, like surely every piece of basic training you have as a professional footballer tells you don't stand right there. What are you doing? What are a, you doing? There was a great, there was a, gr- a great tweet from the always hilarious at Spurs official um, <laughs> just before the match that just said nothing getting past Hugo in the warm-up with a little vine of oh, Flores really? making a save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I retweeted it yesterday, I think at 4 or 5 one. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's a great... It's actually had 7,778 retweets, so... Uh, right, it's doing yeah. numbers. It's I doing imagine, numbers. I imagine they're not all from Tottenham fans. No. <laughs> Brilliant. That is so good. So 5-1, 5-1. 
at, at St. James's Park. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, a ludicrously hilarious, rib-tickling scoreline like you wouldn't believe. I think for about two minutes on the live blog, uh, on Ars blog, I just couldn't do anything but type, ha, 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 ha. And, and with <laughs> ten men as well. With ten <laughs> men as well. Oh, I mean, you know what? I think what we've seen with the, the Chelsea game and with this game is that there's maybe this is something that they will learn from, but clearly all the talk of this Tottenham team being one of the best Tottenham teams ever or what have you is is very far uh, of the mark. I mean, they've less points than they got under Andre Villas-Boas. Apparently, his best season got them two more points than they got this season, and he wow. was written off as you know a bit of a joker. He was, he was. I mean. I- and what's clear as well is that for, for all their progress, they, I think they are still plagued by, you know, uh, problems and insecurity complex of sorts mm. because the way they fell apart was so dramatic. Yeah. Um, you think back to that Chelsea game particularly. I mean, I think from that from that point on, obviously they lost the league then, but they've obviously just not been able to pick up their performances in any, any way whatsoever since then. Mm. Great. Yes, it is. I mean, it was very great. As great as as great can be. Did you see the uh, headline, the Harry Redknapp column in the Telegraph this morning? Have you seen that no, one? No, no. Here's the headline of the column, posted at 7am this morning. Arsenal are lucky to finish second. They need to spend this summer to get anywhere near Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere near. If we could just get anywhere near If them. we could just get a little bit nearer to them by, what, finishing less above them? Yeah. How does that work? Wow. I mean, we're we're literally very near them. We're one point near them, but crucially, one point above. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we nearly caught up on the goal difference. I thought they were trying to help us out with that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, what, what would there have been? Like an eight-goal swing? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So there was only five left in it by, by, uh, by the time uh, full-time came around. Fucking hell. Mm. Wow. Well, look, it was... I, I don't know how to describe it as... Anything other than just one of the funniest things I've experienced as a as a football. It was incredible. Fan it was one of those moments where I, I just desperately wanted to see, you know, camera shots of Spurs fans. I wanted to see tweets from Spurs fans retweeted on my timeline. I just wanted to indulge in their agony. You wanted must, to yeah, just bathe in their in their wallow, misery and Andrew. tears. Yeah, wallow. No, you, you but you would wallow if you weren't enjoying it. If you were enjoying it, you would you would bask. Oh, you we've would, had this before, this debate, that's bask. true. I would bask like a shark yes. and I would love it. I would bask in their pain. And and imagine how they must feel. It's been their best season probably in since the Premier League started, you know, by, by certain measures in terms of the fact they're in the title race. Yeah. And they must have consoled themselves when they lost the title. Well, at least we'll finish above Arsenal. And to have that ripped away from them on the final day. In it's such, just brilliant. Yeah, it really is. It's hugely, hugely enjoyable. And I know that it doesn't make everything that happened with our season right. It doesn't make everything, uh, you know, correct and proper in the world of Arsenal. But, I mean, you have to enjoy these. You can't You can't just enjoy one single thing as a thing and not get fucking, not have to give it the context of a, a season of uh, apparent failure or, or, or disappointment, you know? But how has this happened, Andrew? Like, how has this happened? I thought we were absolutely... I thought we've been rubbish this year. It's kind of confusing, right? It is a little bit, because I think we have been kind of rubbish. But does it just mean that everyone else has been more rubbish than we have been? 
Maybe. Maybe. I, look, I'm not, I'm not necessarily in a mood to analyse it in a huge way this morning. You know? Yeah, fair enough. You see, I, th- I feel like we've got plenty of time. We've got a whole summer ahead of us where we can look back and we can take it to pieces, we can rip it apart, we can uh, deconstruct it in whatever way we might like. But for today, I, th- I really think that we should, we should just enjoy it for what it is and, and laugh at them for what they are. Indulge ourselves. Indulge ourselves, exactly. I mean, look, don't make everything miserable all the time. Uh, we've had little enough. I thought it was really a good thing, the way it happened as well, and I said that in the blog this morning, that things have been so contentious and, and the, the, the fans, Arsenal fans, have been so split and at each other's throats that to have this happen, which reminds us that, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know what it was like, um, but I imagine uh, going back to the Arsenal pubs yesterday after the ground or after the game, whether you're going to the Tollington, whether you're going to the Gunners, whether you're going to the Bank of Friendship, wherever you were going after the game, I'm pretty sure that uh, Arsenal fans enjoyed the fuck out of yesterday evening. Like a, a lot. And that's what that's what tends to get overlooked in the minutiae of um, results and performances that don't meet the standards that we expect. Uh, the online discourse that goes on and sort of this echo chamber uh, where nothing dies uh, ever, but in the very in the in the moments after a game or in those hours after the game, I'm pretty sure people drank and sang songs and had a good time and had a great laugh, and that is what football is about to a large extent. I completely agree. And I think that I can't remember a game. I mean, I can't remember the last time I went away from the ground feeling that good. Probably the 3-0 win over United earlier this season yeah. was the one that stands out. But it was so nice. I haven't really enjoyed watching Arsenal much in the last couple of months, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, And it was so great to be at a stadium... I mean, I was working, I was in the press box, but I was still absolutely caught up in it. And as every Newcastle goal went in, you know, I was on my feet and clenching my fists. And I found (laughs) out the guy sat next to me who was working for a Turkish newspaper was also an Arsenal fan. So, you know, we had that lovely bond there. And I, when I left the ground, I was honestly walking on air, felt fantastic. And it's just, it's really great timing because it would have been a miserable summer if yesterday had been underwhelming. Let's say we... I don't know, we played out a dull draw and, uh, you know, we hadn't got Sirozitsky on the pitch and it would have felt a little bit flat and Spurs had finished above us. Yeah. As it is, uh, do you know what? I, I don't even think it'd be probably even a bit much to call it a sense of optimism because we don't know what's going to happen in the summer. We don't know what's going to happen next year. But at least we feel we've got something fun, something good to hang on to and we don't feel shit. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bright way to end what has been ultimately a disappointing season. And I yeah. think it was I really feel like it was it was necessary for everyone, regardless of what your point of view about the manager is or anything else. I, I think it's really important that everybody had this experience to enjoy. And if it came at the expense of another team, um, well, so what? What's the problem with that? That's a big part of what makes football enjoyable. It's watching your rivals uh, capitulate in hilarious fashion. It's watching players that you don't like do stupid things and get sent off. You know, there is, as much as you you get joy from what you do or what your players do or what your team does, you also get it from what other teams do. And if they, you know, ask any Barcelona fan how enjoyable it is when Real Madrid lose a game, you know, they'll tell you. It's, it's a common language in mm-hmm. football. So for Arsenal to finish the season the way we did in second place, it's 
it's frankly ludicrous given that, given the way everything has gone but it's fucking great at the same time um just in the context of what it actually is and how it came to pass it's just so fucking funny and it i is. yeah i just feel maybe it'll die off but i feel really quite happy well i think <laughs> humor is cathartic isn't it yeah uh, and that's probably what we're experiencing. And I think that's fine. I think you're right. We don't need to overanalyze it. We should just enjoy it for what it is. When things like this come around, yeah. you've got to embrace the moment. You've got to go with it. Yes. All right. So, look, uh, it was a bittersweet day uh, in certain ways also because uh, we had some players leaving. Thomas Rosicki, um got a guard of honour. Mm. Um, and there was a presentation to him before the game, which uh, which I didn't see, uh, obviously, uh, from here. But they gave him a big silver cannon to mark his uh, 10 years at the club um didn't make it into the into the squad what did you make of that yeah a couple of people asked about that i, I found that surprising I, I assumed when i saw the team sheet that maybe there was a late fitness concern or some problem there but Arsene Wenger in his post match press conference basically admitted that he hadn't been included because there was too much at stake in the game yeah i found that a little bit surprising if i'm honest i'm not sure that say uh, and Alex Awobi, you know, who's a young player and has been played a lot of football recently, was necessarily that much a better option than a Rosicki. I think Rosicki, mm. if he's fit, can contribute in that part of the field. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised by that. Uh, I was surprised he found room for Arteta, but not Rosicki. But I mean, I guess you know, had had we had we dropped points and the selection been a little bit sentimental, the manager would have come in for a huge amount of criticism, wouldn't he? So yeah. Uh, it's difficult. This is a really difficult one for him, and it must have been a, a tough call to make. Yeah, I think it was. He said his quote was, "It was a very sad day for me yesterday, not being able to pick him to be in the squad today because there was something at stake." I mean, I do wonder. You know, there's an implication there, isn't there? That um, perhaps there's a fitness issue because there's something at stake. You need players who are fully fit and able to contribute. And maybe because he's only played one game this season, that was back in January. He hasn't played in any of the under-21 games recently. I know he did play one of the games, but hasn't been in the squad for, for any I, of them. I've noticed that. I thought they were saving him, maybe. I thought that was maybe the concern. But yeah, yeah maybe it just wasn't, wasn't viable in the end. Uh, but look, he got a nice send-off. All the uh, players wearing Rosicki 7 shirts uh, for the Guard of Honour. Um, and a mm. uh, nice celebration with him after the, the second goal went in. They all ran over and had a good big celebration with uh, with Thomas Rosicki on the bench. Some good footage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think a shame. I think it really is a shame that, that he wasn't able to take part. And I think it was probably as much to do with fitness as it was to do with something being at stake. You know, because he, yeah. he is a player that can make a difference. If he's fit, then why wouldn't you include him in a game where you where you need to t- to win? So do you, uh, I mean, his final Arsenal appearance then was that game against Burnley, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Uh, where he came on and then mm. had to come off again. At least, you know, when he did come on in that game, he got did get a terrific reception. I think it was clear the esteem. Yeah. The fans held him in. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, I think that was clear yesterday as well. Yeah. I mean, do you think uh, he's played his last game of football or do you think, expect him to go on and play elsewhere? I don't know. I don't know. We have a story on Arsbog News where his agent is saying he's got offers. So I don't know if he could go to MLS, perhaps. He could do mm-hmm. he could do that for a season or two. Certainly, uh, if he could, if he can stay fit enough, I think that would be a league that, that he could definitely make an impact in. Um, so we'll see. I hope so. Mikel Arteta, though, says uh, 99% this was his... Uh, his last game of football, the fourth goal that Arsenal scored yesterday. They're going to take it away from him, aren't they? 
They are going to take it away from him, but I don't think that really matters, does it? In the in the scheme of things, it was no. still a really lovely moment. Yeah, we all we'll all remember it for for it being an Arteta goal. I think mm. you know if it was a bit of good luck or what have you. But actually, the keeper knocked it onto the uh, the keeper knocked it onto the crossbar. So his initial shot was on target so maybe maybe there's hope that they'll give it to him chances are they won't and it was very interesting he really enjoyed the the, the fact that the goal went in by the time he was m- making his way back to the centre circle you could see how emotional he was getting mm. and mm. Uh, he spoke after the game um, there, were, there were tears on the pitch he was uh, being I, I won't say consoled or comforted but he was obviously very emotional and here's a here's a clip from an interview that he did with, uh, with the Arsenal website it's about a minute long and uh, you can hear how emotional he is in this it's a day I will never forget I was very scared about this day because uh, I'm going to say 99% that's my last game as a professional footballer and uh, I can't even talk. And uh, I felt um, very honoured to play for this club and and captain this place. And uh, I don't know, this club is is class. And uh, once you're here, you never forget. Uh, and it's gonna be hard for me to move on. But uh, I really enjoy the day. The boys, they've been absolutely magnificent with me the last two days. The things I experienced. Uh, they will stay with me the rest of my life and uh, I always try to look after them and uh, do my best even we had some uh, difficult moments but as well uh, at least uh, we got this club to the to the winning way again winning some trophies and uh, as well a big thank you to the manager and all the staff for giving the opportunity to say goodbye to the football world as a player uh, on that list the, the last day and uh, I don't know and, and the way the supporters and the fans behave with me I don't know it's, uh, it's a dream come true so there you go there you go Aww. I mean I, I think yeah clearly a really emotional day for him amplified by the fact it's probably his last game and uh, what's really striking about Arteta is the affiliation he feels with the club for someone who you know has played for Barcelona played for Rangers played for Everton uh, who came to the club relatively late in his career and it's clearly had a really significant impact on him, hasn't it? Mm. There's clearly a real uh, feeling there and uh, he's been a great pro and, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's always it's always sad when players who the fans like move on um, but I thought it, it, it went nicely for him yesterday, got, you know, sort of got the goal and it was clear, like Rosicki, it was clear how high regard he was held by Yeah, him. yeah. Uh, I thought it's very it's very rare, I suppose, to see a footballer so emotional. And like you say, he's been at the club five years. It's not like he's been here fifteen years, but it's obviously the connection that he's he feels with the place, the responsibility he feels as well. I thought that was noticeable in his final program notes, and also what he said after the the game. Uh, if you want to check out the rest of that interview, it's on Arsenal.com, um, and you can see that he he, he feels a, a weight of responsibility not only to. Uh, the players and to some of the young players there but because the club hasn't been able to go the distance and hasn't been able to win the Premier League uh, he as captain has has taken some responsibility for that so I think he's just a very conscientious uh, model pro um, gave us some great years I'm really sorry we never signed him earlier than we did I think we should have done to be perfectly honest Uh, but, but he was a huge influence on on the team at the time that he came in 
when you look back and look at the state of that team that played at Old Trafford that day. Um, can we get that up? I must have a look for that. Yeah, yeah. See it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a good team at all. No. Uh, it was a dark old day, that. Yeah, um, it really was. But himself and Per Mertesacker um, came in and had a big, big influence on on steadying the team and steadying the ship and just uh, helping us get back on an even keel and then progressing and, and winning two FA Cups. So the Arsenal team that day was Chesney, Koscielny, Juru, Jenkinson, Armand Traore, Rosicki, Ramsey, Arshavin, Coquelin, Van Persie, Walcott, which isn't that bad in the grand scheme of things, but uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain oh, wow. was thrown on uh, for his... Um, for his debut that day. Uh, Henry Lansbury came on. I mean, the the, the subs that day, Fabianski, Ignacy Mikel, Oxlade-Chamberlain, debutante, uh, Henry Lansbury, uh, Ozjakup, uh, Marouane Shamak, and Gilles Sunu. So I'm, the squad I'm was in po- fucking shit. Yeah, and worth pointing out as well that guys like Cockland and Ramsey were not at that stage the players they are now, you know? Yeah, very, very true. So just a nice moment and... Uh, I think, uh, like he said, it's something that he's always gonna he's always gonna remember. So it'll be interesting to see what he does next. The word is that he's uh, he's off to Man City with Pep. Yeah, that seems to be the way it's going, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, and he sort of alluded to having something lined up in his program notes. So wouldn't be surprised at all to see that come to pass. Mm. Uh, we did have a question about this before we go into part two on all the questions and what have you. But I'm just gonna see if I can find it here. Uh, this one comes from Dan Ten at Tanny Tanny L Dan or, or Daniel Dan, I think. Um, he says, "Why didn't Flamini get the same amount of attention yesterday? Because obviously there was a tribute to Rosicky. There was all the stuff with Arteta and Matthew Flamini. <laughs> Are you laughing? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Right? Um, well, it doesn't sound like I am. Yeah, it just I... sounded like you were laughing there. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about it. Really, I mean." Flamini's a curious one. I think he was out there, wasn't he? You know, he was out there with Messer, yeah. having an emotional goodbye. Um, was he injured? I think he had a slight injury going into the game. Mm. Ankle problem, apparently. There you go. I mean, I think the problem with Flamini, I think that he is, you know, I think he is popular among the squad, certainly. I think with the fans, I think that what happened when he left the club in 2008 and went to AC Milan on a Bosman free having finally broken into the first team. I think that probably did a little bit of damage to the relationship. Yeah. Uh, and probably explains why there's probably not quite the same level of affection and why sometimes his flaws have been amplified, I guess, in discourse, because mm. I think that people were a bit stung by that. I don't know. Do you think that might be a factor? Yeah, I think so. And I'm not necessarily sure he was as popular as Rosicki or, or Arteta. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, it I mean seems Cesc Fabregas named him the other day as his, his best ever midfield partner, didn't he? You see that? I thought he played with Chavi. What's going on? Did he really? Yeah. He's, uh, he's got a, some sense of humour at that point. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I, it's a bit of a strange one that there wasn't something made of it. Not necessarily. I mean, he, he didn't do 10 years like Rosicki, or he wasn't a club captain, um, or, or the influence that Arteta was, and there was a perception that, well, look, he just came for some training and we kept him because it was it was handy. But, you know, he had his moments. He was never the greatest player ever, but he had his moments. And that I think that uh, two-goal salvo at White Hart Lane this season um, was very enjoyable. Oh, that'll live long in the memory, mm. certainly. Just t- t- touching on the Arteta thing, 
if he does go to Manchester City as a coach, will that frustrate you? Is that something that you feel, you know, Arsenal should be doing more to keep someone like that around the club? Maybe, but it depends what the player's ambition is. Obviously, he goes back a bit with Guardiola. Mm. And if, as a guy who's hanging up his boots from the professional game, and you want to learn about coaching, you've worked for five years under Arsene Wenger, you know exactly what he's all about. You know the way that he works, the way he operates, the way he trains his team, whatever his ideas are about the game. You're fully aware of those. If you have a chance to go and work with a coach like Pep Guardiola, I can see how that would be really, really attractive. Well, you're you reading know. the book, so you, yeah. would, you would know all about it. Well, yeah, true, but I just mean in general terms, isn't it? wouldn't it be a fantastic learning experience for him? Wouldn't it make you a more rounded coach or give your ideas, your football philosophy, you know, greater context if you've worked with, with Arsene Wenger, uh, if you've worked with Pep Guardiola. David and you, Moyes. David played, Moyes, exactly. You're taking all these, Walter Smith, you're taking all these things with you into your managerial career because I think ultimately that's where he's going to end up. I think he's going to become a manager. I think he's smart enough and I think he's he's got the respect of people. Um, all the Arsenal players have spoken not all the Arsenal players, but whenever you hear the Arsenal players speak about Arteta uh, and the, uh, the the respect that they ha- uh, hold him in, it's it's right up there. So I think he's going to be a manager, and I think that when you're going to do that, you want to you want to have as broad an experience as you possibly can while you're learning the ropes. Mm. So yeah, it would be nice if we could keep him, or it would be nice if there was a, a job there. But what would it be? Maybe training the under 16s, whereas he could go Probably. work with I mean, work with yeah, Guardiola. With the under-18s, isn't it? Yeah, you know, so it seems to me that it's, um, from from his point of view, it's a fantastic opportunity if that's where he's going to go. I wouldn't begrudge him that one bit. Why would you? No, fair play. Well, if he does go there, good luck to him. And thank God he's quite close to the Mauricio Pochettino, so it could be much, much worse. Yes, yes. Um, all right, what else? Uh, did you watch Match of the Day last night? Bits and pieces. I mean, yeah. once I'd seen the the key action, I was you know I was off partying again. <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny Murphy and Alan Shearer both quite unhappy. Seem, miserable people. Very yeah, miserable. They seem very unhappy that Arsenal had somehow managed to pip beloved Tottenham to uh, second place. You'd think Alan Shearer would have been more cheerful about it. His team won five one. Yeah, where was that all season? He said. Mm. Yeah. Well, fair point, but I don't care, to be honest. No, no, me neither. If, if, for, for me, they could have just played the reserves all season and just saved it all for the last day. That you know, that would have been fine with me. That's pretty much what they did. Um, what won goal of the season? I saw the goal of the season things, but what won it? Do you know? I don't know. I've got a feeling maybe Deli Alley. Right. Uh, in, as part of the Spurs loving. Okay. Uh, let's have a look. I'm match of the day, pundits decide, goal of the season, winner. Um... Yeah, it looks like Deli Alley, yeah. Yeah, it's Deli Alley. Uh, well, at least it wasn't that one that Southampton bloke scored against us. That annoyed me, seeing that again. Yeah. Fucking once-in-a-lifetime fluky Honestly, hit. I mean, I, I, that player will never do anything like that ever it, again. It was noticeable, wasn't it, how all of pretty much all of them were just wonder strikes. Like, a couple of them were, like I mean, great finishes, but there's an element of hit and hope to a lot of them, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas... There didn't seem to be, apart from the Chelsea goal, the Hazard goal, and even that, you know, the bit of team build-up was fine, but it wasn't exceptional football. There were no great team goals selected in that. Do you no, think that's, that's a thing? True. 
that, that, that the spectacular people can only view spectacular because a it's from distance or it's uh, from outside the box or it's uh, smashed into the top corner whatever it might be they don't necessarily associate goals with i don't know 25 passes in the build up and a simple tap in um if you pull a team apart that way to me that's a brilliant goal as well but we haven't seen any of those True. Or they don't I mean, a couple of years ago, Jack Wilshire won it, didn't he, for that goal against Norwich? That which was was it Norwich? Brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those occasions where the the pinball off Olivier Giroud does work to perfection. I yeah, I would have liked to see some more team goals, and they're saying that not that many spring to mind. I mean, the quality mm. of football in the Premier League this year has been debatable in terms of aesthetics. Yeah, I I might have given it to the Jamie Vardy goal against Liverpool just because it, in some ways it characterised the season. You know, a bit of skill from Riyad Mahrez, great pass. Vardy's pace and a great finish. I mean, that's sort of been the story of the Premier League this year, that yeah. kind of direct football. Um, and also, I would—I just am annoyed that it went to a Spurs player. So <laughs> that's also a factor. Well, but At I'm least sh- they can console themselves with that. I'm sure that's made up for throwing away second and their massive lead over us. I'm uh, sure they're, they're delighted now. Yeah, exactly. As Deli Ali is sitting there suspended from the games, that might have made a difference <laughs> to their season for punching somebody in the belly during a stupid game. The, the, the goal of the season award will make everything better in Tottenham mm. land. There you go. All right. Okay, anything else um, from the final day that we need to touch on or discuss? Well, breaking news. It won't surprise you at all, but the England squad's just been named. A 26-man squad uh, down to 23. Jack Wilshere is in after his performance yesterday, but no place at all for Theo Walcott. And am I right in thinking that Marcus Rashford and Andros Townsend have got into the England squad ahead of Theo Walcott? That is exactly what's happened, yeah. That does not augur well for Theo Walcott's international future. What did you make of his absence yesterday? Anything to read into that? Or do you think that Arsene was playing a straight bat when he said he had a slight fitness problem? You never can tell, can you? No. You never can tell. It could be a a hamstring or a hamstring. Well, it was interesting that he said he's got a slight problem, but he's sharp and he's fit for England if selected. Yeah. And I was like, right, well, what sort of hamstring is that then? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on. Um, I, I don't know that we would necessarily keep him out of the firing line, would we? Um, I don't know. Ahead, don't of a, know. ahead of a deal or something like that. But uh, was Part he there? Was he there for the um for He the was there in the end, yeah. I, th- I couldn't spot him at first. He was hiding. Something's never changed. <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> he, um, part of me wondered if maybe he'd got the word that he wasn't going to make the England squad and they almost sort of took him out. Do you know what I mean? They didn't take a risk on him, given that, you know, if he already knew he wasn't going to be in. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just sort of gave him the the time off to go, oh, go off the holidays, mate. It's been a difficult season. But, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There was no glorious farewell for him if he is to go this summer. He has just tweeted about it. He oh, says, I am, of course, disappointed not to make the squad, but I have spoken with Roy and respect his decision. I wish Roy and all the team the best of luck for a successful Euros. I mean, let me, let me be absolutely clear. I do feel for him because uh, he's missed out on a lot of tournaments, you know. And it, he went to, of course, when he was 16, 2006, wasn't involved at all. But that was stupid. That was stupid. Um, but I think he's missed now three or four major tournaments, either through injury or being cut. Yeah, he missed squad at the last minute. Missed the World Cup, didn't he? In 2010, Capello mm. left him out of the squad. Then 2014, last, he, he was injured. He was injured because he got that cruciate 
uh, thing. And then this season, when you look at that England squad and he's not in it, I think that says a lot about the way uh, his season has gone, the way his career is going to a certain extent. So, uh, so am I right saying he's never played in a major? He went. Oh, no, he I think he went to Euro 2012. Did he play 2012 or 2008? 2008. I don't think he was involved. I think it was with the under 21s or something like that. Right. Uh, but 2000, 2012, he did go. He okay. Set up a goal for Danny Welbeck. I seem to recall as a substitute. But um, yeah, I mean, he's had a tough time. But I, I, you know, equally on form, it's difficult to argue with. Mm. The decision, you know, there's there's not really much justification to select him, especially when you've got a player like Vardy who yeah. has those reserves of pace and is absolutely flying. Poor old Theo. Uh, right. Uh, so Wilshire's the only England man in the squad, right? I believe so. Oxley Chamberlain obviously out with injury, Welbeck out with injury. Kieran Gibbs not playing. Retired from football. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, look, we're going to take a break and we're going to be back with more and other stuff and probably a bit more laughter in part two. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog. Just to remind you that we're sponsored today by Cornerstone. If you would like, oh, do you know what's a close shave? You know what's a close shave, James? Go on. <laughs> is, uh securing second place in the league ahead of Tottenham on the final day of the season when they fall apart against 10-man Newcastle. Yes, indeed. That is a close shave. Very close Very indeed. close shave. And if you're looking for a close shave wherever it is you want to shave, check out cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. You get £10 off. They deliver all your shaving stuff to you. You get a full money-back guarantee. And it's great. It's all good stuff for shaving and, and that. So check it out. cornerstone.co.uk forward slash Arsblog, before we get on with the questions. Yes. I meant to say there was one performance yesterday that really, really stood out for me. Go on. Santi Cazorla's son. I tell you. Wow. He's got something, hasn't he? Something in the genes. Wow. It's strange seeing a kid be that good at football. Now, I know he's 15, 
He's so <laughs> tiny like his dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is he, about five or six? It's difficult to tell with the Cazorlas, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, his dad only looks about nine. Um, he, extraordinary little turns and shimmies. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, I don't know, yeah. So, someone tweeted me claiming that he is in some way already part of the Academy setup, but no. I can't verify that. I wouldn't have thought so. If he's not, he should be imminently. Wow. I mean, there was to- there was one moment where he's, I think, was it like El Nenny's son or somebody's son? I don't know. He's running along and there's one trying to tackle him and he does a little drag back. And then he does this thing where he, he's running ahead of the ball and then just puts the brakes on. You know, like in a car chase where mm. there's two cars either side of one car in the middle and the car in the middle just slams on his brakes and the two other cars go, what? Where did he go? It was like that. It was brilliant. A little handbrake turn. I thought he was great. And, I mean, at one point, Francis Cochrane was chasing him and he couldn't really get near him. Um, yeah, it was a pretty spectacular showing. But the whole day undermined by the absence of Alexis's dogs. Well, did you see this was red action? This was red action having japes. It's on them. It's on them. Everyone was looking forward to Alexis's dogs. Now, yesterday was a brilliant day. Truly fantastic, hilarious, wonderful day. And I don't think anybody can have any complaints about the way it went down. Apart from the fact there were no dogs. I completely agree. Can you imagine how much better it would have been if there had been two dogs on the field? I'd want to see if Santi Cazola's son can dribble away from two furious dogs. Yeah. That's the real test of a footballer's pedigree. Exactly. We could have had a, a better idea of whether or not we should sign him. If you could also, get away from the from the dogs, yeah. As good as yesterday was, and, and Sunday was absolutely brilliant, we've allowed it to overshadow the fact that the club won a trophy on Saturday. Yes, we should definitely mention that. Arsenal ladies, winners of the, uh, the FA Cup for the 14th time. Not bad, is it? Not bad. Almost, and as, almost as regular as finishing above Spurs. Yeah. Um, cracking support. Loads of people at Wembley. for had a thousand plus, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Had a great day out. And what and a, a brilliant goal. goal. Oh, my oh. goodness. Yeah. Outstanding stuff. Daniel Carter, was yeah. it? Um, yeah, just a great strike really early on. It reminded me a bit of Freddie Jumberg's goal from the 2002 final. You know, the one where he leaves John Terry on his arse. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. crossed with, there was a Robert Perez goal. The one against Liverpool crossed with another one where he just cut back into the box. It could have been against Tottenham. You know the way he liked a goal against yeah. Tottenham. He did yeah. like a goal against Tottenham. So it was like those three goals combined to win a cup final. Fantastic. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Always mm. nice to see uh, some silverware coming in. You can rely on the Arsenal ladies generally. They're, they're more re- more reliable than the men in terms yeah. of delivering silverware. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, we noticed on the site, Tim Stillman did a live blog and we did some stuff on Ars Blog News and even on the Facebook page. It got a lot of, a lot of traction. Normally, there's less interest in, in ladies football uh, for, for obvious reasons but it was great to see it get such uh, such coverage and people reacting to it in such a in such a positive way um, so fantastic so well done Arsenal ladies yeah that's great that's brilliant news alright um, onwards to the questions yes why not okay let's go for it have you got one lined up or no. shall I delve in no I don't okay I'll delve in then um, right Let's have this. This is from... Oh, oh, let's start with this. JD Arsenal fan, Jason Doyle. And he simply asks, at what point do we stop laughing at Spurs? Hmm. 
What a very interesting question. It is a difficult one because it's tempting to say never. Do we have to put some kind of deadline on this? Or, Well, you know what? There was a study done at uh, a research centre in Switzerland not right. too long ago. Okay. And they got some of the greatest minds of science together. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to work out one of the greatest conundrums in the history of the universe. Because we Go don't on. know why we're here, do we? We don't know how we got here. I certainly don't. Some will say God created the universe. Others will say, well, the universe is much bigger than than God. Mm -hmm. When you look at our place in the universe, this pale blue dot that we are, from very far away, thousands and millions and millions of light years, it's it's very difficult to understand what the universe could be. And trying trying to find... Um, the answer to that is something that has plagued scientists for a very, very long time. And of course, there's the, um, the uh, what do you call that, the thing, the Large Hadron Collider, yeah, where they're trying days. to recreate that, that moment where possibly the Big Bang took place and the Earth came into, or the universe um, came into being. What mm-hmm. was there before the universe? We don't know what was there before the universe. And that's what's so puzzling and perplexing uh, to science and to people who are much better educated and much more learned than I am in the realms of physics and stars and planets and all that kind of shit. But anyway, they had a big meeting in Switzerland. And uh, this question was put to uh, one of the scientists. Right. When should we stop laughing at Tottenham? And he said, infinity. Well, and he was a scientist, was he? So he, he would know. He was a scientist. So you can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, I'm half laughing at you and half just laughing at Spurs still. <laughs> it's sort of a beautifully dual thing. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of bubbling under the conversation the whole time, ready to ready to spring to the surface whenever required. Yeah. Well, here's a, just sort of on the same topic here. D Miz at IID Mitchell 8 says, it's happened again? It It has indeed. It has indeed happened again. Uh, again, if only there was some sort of musical accompaniment that could make that, you know, manifest somehow. All right. Uh, Alan Kay at AFC Lover wants to know, would you rather have sex with a paraplegic mongoose or be a Spurs fan yesterday? Uh, I don't have an issue with mongooses or paraplegics, so definitely that one. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what about this from Dev Sharma, who's at Bad Hair Dev? Uh, they ask, what is your favourite St. Totteringham's Day? Is there a new number one after yesterday? I think this could be the best one. I know the lasagna, it it resonates and has resonated through history, hasn't it? Mm. Simply because the idea of loads of Tottenham players actually, genuinely, literally, in real life, shitting themselves. Yes, as well as metaphorically doing so, yes. as they did yesterday. That, yeah. adds a, that adds a layer, doesn't it, to the to the whole thing? A layer of shit to the inside of their shorts, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, there was something quite nice about that that first one because um, Yossi Benayoun scored the goal, didn't he, for West Ham? Indeed. That denied Portentous. them. Yeah, that denied them the uh, the fourth place. And of course, Yossi Benayoun became an Arsenal player for a season on loan uh, a few years later on. That was a good one. I also really liked the one where, well, I don't know, were we eight points behind or 10 points behind? Or actually, when we were 2 0 down or 2 1 down to Tottenham Hotspur at home, remember there was a a bail, 
an Adibayor penalty and somebody else scored. Was this the first 5-2? Yeah. And I think as it stood, we were 11 points behind them mm. as that game stood. And then, of course, there was that brilliant Bakary Sanya header who, uh, you know, he got us back into the game. And then uh, Theo Walcott scored a couple of goals in the second half. It was uh, turned around. Thomas Rzitzky scored a, scored a great goal. Um, to have come back from that, because was that not the one where they wore the T-shirts? Those three guys wore the Mind the Gap T-shirts. That was the original Mind the Gap, I mm. believe, yeah. That was a good one. I enjoyed that one. But I just think for pure comedy, yesterday, maybe it's because it's fresh in the mind, Maybe that's what it is, but just 5-1 to 10-man Newcastle, that's got to I mean, be right up there. I mean, look, there's there's been some great ones. I was a fan of 2013, which was, of course, uh, the negative spiral quotation from Andre Villas-Boas. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. We are on an upward spiral in terms of confidence, and they are in a negative spiral in terms of results. To get out of that negative spiral is extremely difficult, as Tottenham later found. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and continue to find. They had a seven-point lead, I think, at that stage. And, oh. uh, I think that may have... Was that 1-1 was that at Newcastle that year? I don't know. That was all very funny business as well, the whole 1-1 at Newcastle thing. Um, when they, uh, Lord Alan Sugar thought Newcastle had equalised against us on the final day, but in fact we were leading. Yeah. Um, I think for me, probably... The lasagna gate of 2006 probably still takes the biscuit just because it was the final day of Highbury as well. Yeah. Which gave it that added resonance. You know, it was a pretty spectacular occasion. But in terms of hilarity, I'm not sure there's a funnier one than yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it really is very funny. Uh, On that, uh, Tim Hardwick at Barcelona wants to know, uh, what does to do is to dare actually mean? Right, let's break this down. To do is, is to, to dare. dare. To do is to dare. Well, I guess it means that if you... If someone dares you... <laughs> no, hang on. I think it means that even if people think you're definitely over the line and you should in no way lose second place and you've built up a substantial enough lead that you should be absolutely secure... Sometimes you've got to be brave enough to be true to who you really are. And if that is a bunch of crumbling idiots, then you must fulfil that destiny, whatever happens. Right. And I think you've got to credit Spurs for living by that maxim. Yeah, they're they're very good. They're very good at it. Above and beyond the call of duty they went yesterday. They yeah. really did. They, they dared really... to do worse than anyone could possibly have imagined. Exactly. They dared to do something extraordinary, something that not even we believed they were capable of. And yet they did it. I take my hat off to them. What an accomplishment. It is fantastic. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, Tottenham. Thank you for your participation in this great... They They probably do need a new motto, though, don't they? They probably do, don't they? Yeah. Um, Something like... uh, I mean... Forever in their shadow would be a good motto. Okay, I'm going to put this into Google Translate. Forever in their shadow. I'm going to put this into Google Translate and put it into Latin. Does Google offer you Latin? Yeah, it does, yeah. Forever in their shadow. This could be completely wrong. And Latin scholars, please uh, correct us if we're doing this wrong. Um, 
it, it translates as in umbra aorum in perpetuum. I love it. I love it. So I think that should be their new their new motto. Let's mock, let's mock up a crest. Ideally, one literally cast in shadow with that as their slogan. <laughs> I would love it. Someone will Photoshop that for us. I'm sure. I'm sure they will. They, well, they no, actually, deliver. maybe it won't happen today because everyone's just sitting around laughing. But maybe True. tomorrow, when people have stopped laughing, someone will will mock that up for us. Hopefully, hopefully. All right. Um, uh, great. I don't know what what questions next. I don't know. We've got so much to discuss. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of stuff about. Tottenham for some reason I can't yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is there seems to be quite a lot of questions about some St. Tottenham fellow yeah who is Mm. this guy I've never never who is this guy what's his business here what's he want here's one actually go on or have you got one there you go I'm excited to hear what yours is you sounded intrigued by it okay well this one comes from Lewis Hutchinson at Team Lewis 04 and he says what do you make of Garth Crook's team of the season did you see it well I, I haven't seen it but I know that Garth is prone to some unusual picks alright um, here's his team uh, David De Gea in goal okay he's got a back four of Ryan Bertrand right Alderweireld right Wes Morgan yeah. and Danny Simpson Right, okay. Holding midfield player is Kante. Yeah. He's got then Mares, Payet, uh-huh. and Coutinho. Coutinho's done very well there. He certainly has. And a, a front two of Aguero and Kane. No place for Jamie Vardy. No. Interesting. Mm. And what do you make to that? I'm not sure I'm mad for the fullbacks. No. Um, Coutinho? Coutinho's a curious one, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, look, Payet is a decent player, but does he do anything other than score free kicks? I mean, I he might know. do. He's good at that. Yeah, but... he, he is good. But then American footballers have just a kicker guy to come on and do that. He's True. rubbish at the rest of American football. He can't throw, can't kick, can't run. All he can do is boot the ball for a conversion. What do they call it? Not a conversion. What is it? I don't know. Field goal. Field goal. But it's yeah, a, no, it's a field right. goal is different. Field goal isn't um, after you score a touchdown. What's it called? A, ki- a goal kick. A kick. A kick. A kick. A kick. A doodle do. A kick or doodle do. Yeah. So that's that's all they're good for, and they they accept that. They know that they're rubbish at everything else. But maybe Payet's better at stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Aguero, Garth, yeah, Garth's a man of his own whims. Um, but I would have Aguero. Aguero is the best striker in the league, probably. Yeah. But I always feel like he's so in and out, isn't he, with injury problems? Mm. I, he scored the same amount of goals as Vardy. I would have Vardy over Aguero, probably. Do you think? Not in my team. Not if you said to me tomorrow we can have one at Arsenal. Right. But I'd say it on performances over the year, over the season. Oh, as well, in terms of the contribution that they've made yeah. to their respective season. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's reasonable. Hector Bellerin I'd have over Danny Simpson. Yeah, I would have Hector Bellerin over Danny Simpson. You know, uh, Hector Bellerin, a really great attacking, exciting young fullback who doesn't uh, choke the life out of women. I, well, I that, find that's good. He has got that going for him. And his haircut as well. Yeah. It's lovely. Um... Yeah, Mesut Ozil maybe, I mean, could be in there. I mean, I saw a brilliant uh, stat that he's created 
some ludicrous amount of chances this season. According to Orbino, he's created more chances in a single season with 142 than anyone in the top five leagues in seasons Opta has analysed since 1996. Wow. That's a whole lot of chances he's created. My kingdom for a striker. Well, I mean, look, we don't want to do any negatives really today, but let's... um, a couple of people asked, James Black at Rex Thunder asked, to be honest, has that Giroud hat-trick made you slightly nervous see Walcott versus West Brom last season? Um, I guess people are wondering, you know, will that Arsenal think, well, a Giroud hat-trick, we don't need a striker anymore. Well, no, I think he knows he does need a striker. Obviously, with Welbeck out, he needs a striker. And I think anyway, he knows he needs a, a more efficient front man. But what I would say is that Giroud has finished despite that horrendous run where he didn't score for months and months and months, uh, he's, th- he's finished the top scorer this season with 24 goals in all competitions, uh, which isn't bad. Uh, and I think, uh, as I said on one of the Arscasts last week, that if we can keep him, I think he's a perfectly good player to have in the squad. He's a, he's a good striker. He's not a top-level world-class striker. He has some moments that make you go, but he is a very capable player, who can get you goals on a fairly regular basis. Once you're not relying on him as your main man, I think he would be a good player to keep in the squad. I don't, uh, and I'll reiterate this again, I don't think he should be our first choice striker next season, but as part of the squad, I would have no problem with him being uh, an Arsenal player next season. Well, 24 goals, I mean, I know it's slightly inflated by a... Uh, the hat-trick yesterday, but I mean, it's a very respectable tally. I think it's the 16 in the league that Arsene will probably be looking to improve upon. When you look at someone like Aguero or Vardy, I think they've got about 24 in the league. And I think, you know, if you want to win the Premier League, you probably need someone who's pushing 20-plus goals in that competition. Well, that worked worked for Man City this season, obviously. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And Tottenham. And Tottenham, and Tottenham. But I think... Generally, that's advisable. So we shall see. I agree with you that he's a great... He's a, he's, he's a good option. Yeah. He's a good option. And I think he probably will stay now yeah. that Welbeck's out. Um, right. right. Any further any further questions, Your Honour? Any further questions? Okay. We have one from uh, Buggo, at spider underscore bug, and he's he's concerned. He's, uh, he's looking for some medical advice, James. Okay. He wants to know, and you, of course, being a, a qualified doctor-tician. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Why, why not? Uh, he wants to know, is it possible to overdose and die on schadenfreude? <laughs> um, no. Based on the findings of my scientific colleagues in Switzerland, you can consume an infinite amount of schadenfreude for infinity and be fine. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I've got another one here again. Oh, this is Dan 10 again. He's got two in the one podcast. Whoa. Whoa. He's on a hat trick. Uh, what are your favorite Arteta and Rosicki moments? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, and throw Rzyski in a, a, throw a, very... in a Flamini moment as well. Just We don't want to leave him out like Arsenal did yesterday. Okay, well, Flamini, we've sort of discussed the the goal um, the goal against Spurs this season, the volley, quite that, a few that's times. Your, that's your favourite Flamini moment? Well, I don't know. There's a couple of other contenders, actually. One is he scored an absolutely outrageous goal, I think in the first season at the Emirates Stadium, against Newcastle. Mm. Or may, do you remember that goal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, from long distance I don't really to this day know how he did it and I think I suppose it's what you were saying about long distance goals earlier it was a bit of a hit and hope but it worked perfectly and the other moment that 
I would recall from him is just the one where when he first re-signed for the club in the summer of 2013, he made his second debut against Spurs and the first thing he did was charge onto the pitch and just clatter into somebody for a booking. Yeah. And <laughs> the fans really enjoyed it at the time and it was sort of something that we kind of needed a bit of in, in the team. I think we forget how, how positive his initial impact was in that second spell with the club. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, a few contenders there. For yeah, okay. I've, you've you've taken my two there, really. Uh, that, no, really. That tackle, okay. Yeah, that tackle on his return was was what I was going to say. Just because of, did he get? He probably got booked for it as well, didn't he? I think he did. <laughs> I mean, he usually does, doesn't he? Um, I'll let you go next. Then, do you want to go with uh, Arteta? Arteta. What is my favourite Arteta? I love the Man City goal. Thought that was. Um, that was a really brilliant goal to win that game against Man City. Was that remind when? Remind me, remind me. I'm having trouble. It was with it. at home, and it might have been the game when Balotelli got sent off. Might have been ah, that one. Yes. And then in about the 88th minute, he strode forward from midfield and just cracked one um, into the bottom corner. There was a couple of really good penalties, high pressure penalties that we needed to score, and he scored them. Um,. I'm just trying to think were there were there any others. I, I, I have to say a free I, kick sorry, go on. Goal oh, that he scored yeah. against actually it was also against Aston Villa. I was at um, that game, yeah. I were you. It was a yeah. brilliant goal, yeah, from uh, from just that, you know, obviously it's outside the box, but uh, uh, he sort of put his laces through it, didn't he? And it dipped brilliantly. Wasn't into, wasn't that the one where uh, Arsene Wenger came out afterwards and said he's got feet. he's got really small feet, so he's good at free kicks as if those yes. two things go together. Somehow, I think I think he did say that, yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, he never really. I mean, he was a decent set piece taker at Everton, but we didn't see too much of it at Arsenal, did we? He sort of wasn't uh, wasn't on them too much. But that was a great goal. Yeah, I um, I, uh, I enjoyed his interviews with uh, Andrew Allen as well. Oh, of course, great moments. Yeah, with the hair and. You can find them. Just search for Arse Blog Arteta on YouTube, and you can see Andrew interviewing him. And uh, we get some questions in about his hair. Seemed to be a good guy, Mikel Arteta. After uh, that Aston Villa goal, Wenger said, "Do you remember Gunter Netzer of Borussia Mönchengladbach?" Oh yeah, God. he must have been. <laughs> he said he must have been size twelve. He could not kick the ball with the laces. The guys with very short feet can get lift. The ball floats a little bit. Asked if he knows all, all the sizes of all his players' feet. Finger added, <laughs> approximately, yes. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant, approximately. There you go. Yeah. So what size feet would you say he has? Size eight? Something like Maybe that? Maybe something like that, yeah. Well. That's, you know, that explains why I'm so rubbish at football. Big clown shoes. Why, why, what size feet have you got? I'm sort of a 12 kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. 12. And, is- and I cannot kick the ball for love nor money, so... But that's why I, was, I wasn't born to. <laughs> I wasn't born for you that. You were born, born to be a, like a, a part mammal swimming man. like Exactly. A swimmer. That should have been good. Like the man from um, Atlantis. And what about Sir Thomas Rosicki? <sighs> he goals scored goals against the, Spurs, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the one that he cracked in a couple of seasons ago, like in the first oh, minute, that was brilliant. But I loved the one in the FA Cup on the way to winning the FA Cup. Where he uh, robbed Danny Rose. Yeah, and then just ran and ran and ran. And it was, it was shades of Michael Thomas in the sense that you're going, finish, finish it, finish it. Because Kyle Walker was racing in to tackle him and he was getting closer and closer and closer. And just at the last minute, he dinked it over the keeper. Uh, and what a brilliant goal that was. There was a couple of early goals as well. Did we play? 
Did we play against Borussia Dortmund in the in the Champions League in his first season and he curled in absolutely yeah. brilliant shot? I think that might be one. Yeah. Um, my choice would probably be not the most spectacular goal that he scored for Arsenal, but in the 5-2 uh, in 2012, he actually scored the third goal, the yeah. one that put us ahead. Um, and it was a nice clipped finish at the near post. And I think he recently named that as what he considered his best performance in an Arsenal shirt. Right. Um, but I just remember that goal, you know, it was at such a moment of ecstasy because we'd been 2-0 down, got in front to lead. Mm. Uh, and uh, I was in the stands that day. So that's probably what I remember him most fondly for. Yeah. Uh, we have a question here from Aidan Cammies at Aidan Cammies, and he's he's concerned as well. He says, what is Messick going to do with himself now that Flamini is gone? What is Messick also going to do without the Flamster by his side? I don't know. It's going to be sad for him, isn't it? He needs his little sidekick. I mean, one almost wonders if they'll be tempted just to give him a, a 12-month deal just to hang around with Messick. Um, <laughs> a non-playing role, you know. Uh, pay as you play with Messer. Yeah. I don't know. Um, who do you th- who do you see him striking up a friendship with next? I don't know. It depends. Maybe our our summer signing. Yeah, our one our one new player that comes in this summer. Messer can take him under his wing, do all the Messer Flamini bro stuff that they did together. What did they do? Well, ideally, we should buy a centre-forward who he can become best mates with because that's what we really want to develop, isn't it? That understanding. Yes, on and off the pitch. Mm, indeed. Mm. I mean, no wonder Flamini wanted to play up front. Maybe they were trying to convince Arsene Wenger that was the, the, the way to go. <laughs> yeah, probably. But maybe Flamini's going to miss Ozil as well, as much as Ozil is going to miss Flamini. Yeah, but somebody's got to save the world. This is true. Where's he going to save the world? Who's going to play? He's going to play on, isn't he? Flamini's only 31 or 32, isn't he? Yeah, that's true. I mean, and he loves a Bosman. I don't know where he's going to go. Yeah. Where would your money be? Do you think he'll stay in the Premier League or do you think he'll, he'll go somewhere else? I'd be surprised. Somewhere he's 32. Where, somewhere where the money is good. <laughs> uh, I, I don't see him going, let's say, as far as China. Right. Maybe MLS. That'd be good. Messi could come over and visit. When he's playing for the, I don't know, the Albuquerque Sting Wings, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, best of luck to him. I think he's probably still got a couple of years in the tank, hasn't he? One more signing on fee. Why not? Absolutely. All right. Have you got any more or is, is that I think it? I'm, I think I'm I'm all laughed out, to be we're honest with you. We're all laughed. We're spent. Well, I say that. I'm going to carry on laughing for quite a long time after we stop recording. Yeah, true. We are going to release an Arsecast Extra every day this week. It's just going to be... A five-second loop of us laughing repeated for an hour each we time. Did a, we did a daily one in the wrong week, didn't we? We could have just done one literally of that, of just laughing and laughing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well. Um, you live and I learn. Will. It will sustain us through the summer. Indeed. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed for listening, as always. Uh, we will be back with another Arsecast Extra next Monday, um, catching up on whatever the hell happens between now and then. And I will have a final Arsecast of the season, a sort of roundtable discussion about uh, everything that went on this season. We'll have that for you on Friday as normal. Uh, so until then, have yourselves a great week and don't forget to not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Goodly bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.